0: Hello, everyone. As Larry said, following our worship this morning is a a lunch for everybody. If you're visiting with us, uh, please stay, have lunch with us. There's plenty of food. And also, if you're wanting to find out more about the congregation, um, as Larry said, our groups are meeting. But we'd love for you to come and participate as well. It'd be a great opportunity to find out more about us. And if you've came with someone, if you've come with someone rather and you can go with them to the group afterwards, or if you came by yourself, very easy, come here to the auditorium. Dale, your group meets here. There's Dale. And after lunch, just come in here, and love for you to be part of it. Just see it, and gives you an opportunity to find out what we're doing. All the groups <laughs> cover the same material, same agenda, so you're not missing out on anything. And um, there's input and feedback as well, so I hope you'll make that part of your afternoon. We'll be through about 1.30, 2 o'clock, so love for to be part of that. We're in our Think About series, and today, we're going to think about temptation. Think about temptation. And I'm not going to list all the temptations we face, because I might leave yours out, and you might think I'm not talking to you today. (laughs) So I'm talking to everyone who experiences temptation, all right? So you fill in what you're tempted by. I think we realize that temptation is designed to lure you in uh, to something more than what it really is to hook you, right, and to catch you. Now, it's interesting about temptations, since we all face them, that God uses temptations, and actually, we can grow stronger through those temptations. The devil uses the temptation to weaken us and to get us into doing the wrong. Uh, would you agree with me that the devil's an expert at temptation? He's very experienced in this. In fact, he is so good at disguising temptation to make us think that it's really not a temptation at all. I think in James chapter 1, verse 13, how he's so good about disguising a temptation to actually make you think it's not a temptation. So that we would actually say that when we're tempted, oh, this is from God. God is tempting me, even though we know that God cannot be tempted by evil, right? And so therefore, he, tempt, he doesn't tempt anyone with evil. Uh, we can convince ourselves that temptation is from God, and either out of ignorance or out of just plain desire to ignore it, we'll believe it because that lure is so alluring, it's so enticing. Now, I found this good definition of temptation And temptation just means that you are pulled towards something that is wrong. That that pull is towards something that is wrong. And I have found oftentimes during temptation that we tend to blame others for it, including God. The last one we blame when we're tempted is our own self, right? God tempted me with this. We're kind of like Adam and Eve in the garden Uh, when they fell for that first temptation, right? Well, it was Eve's fault, it was Adam's fault. And finally, said it was God's fault, right? We're really good about blaming others for temptation. Uh, temptation comes from the devil. Temptation comes from the lust of this world. And it's, it's obvious, but the number one way in which we are pulled towards something wrong is you choose, you choose your destination. You choose that decision to be tempted by it. And in James 1.14, it says, you're tempted by the evil things you, what, want. Who wants it? You do. Here's that word again. Your own desires lead you away and traps you. So stop putting the blame on others, all right? Quit blaming God. You fall for the temptation because you want to. You choose your decision about temptation." Now, it's very important to understand, you choose your decision about temptation, but you don't get to choose the consequences. You do not get to choose or control the outcome of the temptation. In fact, it's interesting because oftentimes say, well, this is not going to affect me. This is not going to have a long-term decision on my part that's going to change my life in any way. I can stop anytime I want to. I'm just going to go this far with it, right? And so what we're saying is, okay, we've made the decision to do the temptation, but we think we're controlling the outcome. James 1 and following tells you, verse 15, here's what happens. The desire grows inside of you until it results in sin. So you decide... To fall for the temptation you made that choice and so you said this is where it's going to stay no one's going to find out nothing's going to happen I'm in control of this and then you discover you're not in control of the outcome what happens the sin grows bigger and bigger did you want to grow bigger and bigger did you want to get out of control no none of us did are you with me come on are you we're all tempted so I'm not talking just to you all right or me all of us all right but we think we control the outcome when we don't and the sin will grow and grow and grow and it leads to what death now sometimes sin does lead to literal death sometimes the outcome and the consequences of getting involved in the sin as it grows it will kill you physically And there are people who have died because of their sins. But spiritually, all of us experience a death in that area when we fall to that sin. Now, I'm not much of a fisherman, but I've gone fishing a lot in my life. And I understand on a very elementary level that there are different kinds of fish. And you got to catch the fish with different types of ways at different times. Right, Pat? Okay. So you have your favorite lure. All right, and there's a lure for a certain fish, and maybe at a certain time, and you have your favorite bait. And with certain fish, you throw the lure out with the bait, and it catches it, you set the hook, and you reel them in immediately, don't you? But there's some fish that you throw out the lure with the bait, and you let them take the bait, and you let them run the line. And the fish thinks they've gotten this great treat of sushi. And they're running with it and enjoying it, think they got away with it. They're running the line, and all of a sudden, the hook is set, and the pull begins. And the fish, before he realizes it, or now that he does realize it, realizes that he's caught, and he's reeled in. Thank you. Large mouth. (laughs) Thank you, Pat. I was going to say a minnow, so here we go. (laughs) reeled in boy the devil loves for you to run the line sometimes he'll catch you snap you right in guilt oh i can't believe i did that and you move from it what he really loves is when he casts the lure and the bait and he think you got away with it and you are just running the line and a certain point in time he's going to set the hook he's going to reel you in That's what temptation does. And that kind of looks like this in our life. It begins with desire. It's something that we desire. and, And we know that it's appealing to us. And we have to be honest about that. We see some sort of benefit in it, some sort of reward. So it's appealing to us. It's satisfying to our mind, to our eyes, to our heart. And then begins the doubt. You ignore your conscience. You ignore advice you forget about your training, you put God's word aside, and you just ignore it. You begin to doubt. Well, maybe there's not something. Maybe what God says about that, right? Maybe what my parents taught me about that. Maybe what, what I've believed, maybe it's, it's not right because it just seems so desirous. And then comes the deception. You're getting away with it. You think you're getting away with it. It's not going to affect me. No one knows not hurting anybody. It's for my own self. You're deceiving yourself. You're getting away with it. But what you're in is a layer of disobedience, isn't it? When you disobey and the hook is set and the pull begins, here comes the guilt and the regret and the remorse and that spiritual disappointment in yourself, right? Can't believe I did that. And when you disobey, you realize the death that comes with it too, the spiritual death. You're running the line, sets the hook, reels you in. I want you to think about temptation that way. Temptation's not about self-improvement. Temptation's not about just being a better person. It's how the devil uses it to destroy your life and others along the line. But I got some good news for you. In fact, what does the word gospel mean? Good news. And in the good news of Jesus, he showed us how to conquer temptation He gave us many, many wonderful scriptures about temptation. But what we learn from Jesus is that it can be conquered because in his dealing with temptation, he treasured the word of God. And in Psalm 119, verse 11, this is, I believe, what Jesus did and what he's telling us to do. I treasure your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. When you think about temptation... You have to treasure the word of God more than you value the temptation's benefit. Hear that? You have to treasure the word and God's way more than you value the benefit of that desire. And in fact, here's our attitude Romans 12, verse 21. Don't let evil do what? Conquer you, but do what? Conquer evil with good. Right now, some of you should go to the Lord in prayer because you are in His presence right now, right? And just simply say, God, uh, this evil that's conquering me, would you please let your good conquer this evil in my life? I don't want to live this anyway anymore. I want to have the attitude of good conquering evil. Good conquering evil. So we got to know our temptations. Do you know what your weaknesses are? You know... A popular evaluation tool today in interviews is, well, what are your strengths? You love to talk about those, don't you? Here's my, and then they turn out, well, what do you perceive to be your weaknesses? My weaknesses, I have none. I'm just a hard worker, and I work overtime, and I don't ask for extra, you know, right? But they ask those questions because they want to know how much do you really inspect your life? How much do you really know about your life? How much uh, assessment do you do? Do you really know what your strengths are? Do you really know what your weaknesses are? And so in this temptation area, what are your weaknesses? Where are you vulnerable? It's important to know that because Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, don't let the devil get a a foothold in your door. Now, we're supposed to shut the door on temptation, right? But we leave it cracked just enough for the devil to keep his foot in there. And when we keep that door cracked and the devil puts his foot in there, it's pretty shortly after that that we follow that temptation. Don't give the devil a foothold. He doesn't need your help. Don't help him out, right? And this is what I'm saying, but in order to understand that, you have to know where you're from. Where where is my temptation mentally? What mentally tempts me? What physically tempts me? What, what, are the, what are the physical temptations that I'm very weak? What are my emotional temptations? Now, spiritually, we're equipped to grow together so that God can equip us emotionally and physically and mentally to grow stronger during those temptations. But if we don't know the weakness, then we're going to fall, aren't we? And we give the devil a foothold. Listen, can I just remind you that temptation's not a sin? Temptate, Jesus was tempted, wasn't he? So temptation's not a sin. But James says in James 1 13, we all sin. Whenever you feel tempted to do something bad, all of us are tempted. Even Jesus was tempted to do something bad. But did you ever notice that some temptations are harder for you than they are for someone else? And if you also notice that some of the things that you think are easy, why does that person struggle with that? Seems to be very hard for someone else. That's interesting about temptation, isn't it? Now, there's different types of temptations. There's different impulses and strengths of temptation. Sometimes a temptation will hit you right out of the blue. It's temporary, right? You have that temptation that just hits you. It's temporary, the temptation that's there. And you didn't expect it. It surprised you. It's like the fiery darts that Paul talks about. Sometimes temptations are persistent. Your nature, your human nature will probably always be drawn to this temptation all your life. You will probably never ever get around this temptation. It will always be there because it's part of your human nature. You can't seem to shake it. And there's some temptations that where you developed a pattern. You have good intentions, but then you fall for the temptation. You have the guilt. And you say, I'm never going to do this again, right? And then what happens? Good intentions. Fall for the temptation. Feel the guilt. Say, I'm never going to do that again. Never. You need to understand that pattern, don't you? So let me ask you, instead of just saying that's a pattern, you need to know at what time does normally this pattern temptation occur in your life? What time? And the where does it normally happen? Hear it? Got to know. What time? Where does it normally happen? What persons or person is causing me to fall into this pattern of temptation? Who is it? Who are they? And then, what's the benefit? Why am I tempted by it? What is the desire? What is the benefit from this temptation? You hear it? Pattern. So if you have a pattern, time, location, person, benefit. What is it? you got to know it. If you don't, you're going to have good intentions. You're going to fall for it, feel guilty, and do it again and again and again and again. So temptation, by God, using that is to teach us to say no. Right? Amen? So when that temptation, no, whether it's temporary, whether it's a persistent one, or whether it's a pattern, No. But when you fall into a pattern of temptation where you failed and you fail and again, that no becomes I can't. You quit saying no, and then when the temptation arises, you say, what? I can't do it. I can't handle this. Falling for the same temptation pattern feeds the desire, and the devil uses it to make you weaker and weaker to continue to do that wrong. Now I want to show you a slide and see if you agree with this. Do you agree with that statement? That guy's really laid back, isn't he? <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the way you should learn how to play a saxophone, but he's having a good time with it. But here's the line on it, right? Practice makes perfect. Really? What if you practice it the wrong way? You will perfect your imperfection, right? Practice makes perfect when you're practicing what? The right way, the right things. We know that in so many areas, practice the wrong things. It leads to defeat. You practice the wrong things in your spiritual life. It leads to bad habits. It can lead to a hardened conscience it can lead to addictions. It's what the Bible calls a stronghold. A stronghold is simply where you have been defeated so many times that temptation that you've fallen that you no longer say no to it, but you're saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. There's no way I can handle this. It's become so ingrained in you that you don't believe anymore that you can have victory in that area. Now, listen. You may struggle with an addiction. You may struggle with a bad habit. You may struggle with a stronghold for a very long time. You may be tempted the rest of your life, but God will heal you. And God can heal you and God can give you the strength to overcome. But you have to believe that. You don't have to keep falling for it. And that's what God tells us. But you've got to start practicing the right things and learning to retrain the brain. Are you with me? and believe once again in your heart that you're going to do the right things because practice will make perfection. Now, here's what Proverbs 14 verse 8 says. The wise think about the way they live, but fools but others fool themselves and refuse to what? face reality. How does a wise person live? They think about temptation. They're aware of their time. They're aware of their location. They're aware of the persons in their life. They're aware of their benefit. They're aware of their weaknesses. They think about the way they live. But the foolish person says, I don't have a problem. There's nothing wrong with me. I can handle this. This is not affecting me. It's not hurting anybody. I can handle this. The the foolish person denies that they have a problem. And they refuse to face reality. And the one that denies that they have a problem is the one where the problem has hold of them. And they don't even know it. They're afraid to face the truth. So in Romans 13, 14, here's what, here's what Paul says. You put on the Lord Jesus Christ as if you were wearing him as clothes. Don't think about how to satisfy sinful desires. What do you, what do, you do? What do you put on? Jesus Christ. He's talking about the mind there. The mind there. You put on Christ. When Adam and Eve sinned, remember the first thing they did? What did they make? They made clothes for themselves, didn't they? They tried to hide. They tried to cover up. They made clothes for themselves. This is a new experience for them. They're trying to handle it on their own. They're trying to be in control. And God shows up. And God says, no, I'm in control. You chose I choose the outcome. Here's the consequences, right? And get rid of those clothes you put on. Put on the clothes I'm making for you. See, when we are refusing to face reality, when we deny we have a problem, we're wearing our clothes. We're trying to take care of ourselves, aren't we? We're putting up, this is, this is, this is how I'm going to deal with this. This is how I'm going to handle this. Here's the clothes I'm going to wear for And God says, uh-uh, wrong clothes. Put on Christ. Change your thought life. Put on Jesus Christ. Think the way Jesus wants you to think. Why? Because when you're in the temptation, when you're in the sin, you're thinking about the what? You're thinking about the sin. You're thinking about the desire. When you put on Christ and you begin to think about Christ, guess what has to leave? No choice. Can't have two thoughts occupying the same space at the same time, can you? You remove the desire by thinking on Christ. Are y'all with me this morning? I mean this this is so important you to put on Christ and clothe your mind and the temptation go away. Now sometimes you need help. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9. Two are what? Better than one. Why is that? Because when one falls down, the other can reach out to help them. You know that's so important. You need support from someone else. There's some battles in life you can't fight by yourself. You need someone else. When you try to uh, hide it, when you try to pretend to be something you're not, hiding will make you make it worse, and pretending will make you miserable. Right? That's the outcome. But here we are to be accountable to one another. That's what the Bible says, to connect with each other, to be accountable to each other. Now this past week I've heard this phrase at least three times, welfare check program. I'm I'm sure I've heard it before, but I've heard it this week. It's kind of been on my radar. A welfare check program is where someone, a friend or employee or a neighbor is concerned about someone and they call the police to go and do a welfare check to make sure that person's okay. Have you heard of that? Okay. Welfare check. You know, this is what church is about, right? This is what church, to be supporting one another, have been missing you. How are things going on in your life? person you sit next to in a pew for the last 20 years. Do you know when they're here when they're not? The people that you say hi to during worship, and, and you know that, do, do you know what's going on? You know It's important for all of us to do that. as much as we can. Accountability, to meet with each other, to be part of that. It leads you to keeps you connected to the Somerville congregation. Listen if it's because of illness or because of a job, or because simply you decide that, you know I'm only going to come every six weeks. If you miss a lot, you begin to no longer feel connected to the group. And you almost can feel like a stranger when you walk in again, can't you? Because that's what the devil does. He pulls you away. He tempts you to think that there's something more important than being connected to other Christians. Stay connected. When you stay connected with others, you can share with your very close friends the temptations, the struggles that you're going through and they can help you. And when you share with that Christian friend that temptation, it liberates you. It loosens the devil's grip on the desire that you have. In fact, what it does is that when you talk to another Christian, you begin to exercise control over that temptation. And just by talking about it to another Christian breaks the stranglehold that the devil may have on you. Agree? We need to support one another. And here's the reason. Temptation, thinking about temptation is not a self-improvement exercise because all sin is judged by God. Every sin is judged by God. 2 Corinthians 5, for we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to be judged. We'll each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil we've done with our lives. It's more than a self-improvement course. Those temptations that you give up on and you continue to fall for and brings defeat in your life, those habitual sins that are created there, you'll be judged for them. And how you live your life here makes you think about your destination that we talked about last week. Amen? Destination heaven or destination hell. Yes, you will lose your salvation if you continue in habitual sin before God. And this is what God tells us. He wants us to know that what we do here affects where we spend our destination. Now, so here's what happens. When you settle down and you say, I can't do this anymore, you should feel yourself in a very frightening situation. It should frighten you to feel that way. God is full of grace. He's full of mercy. He's full of love. But it's also a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the wrath of God. And that's what the devil wants you to do. Is to fall to those temptations and lose that spiritual life that God wants you to have. Where you're supposed to be honoring Christ in that area of your life, you're being used for the devil simply because you refuse to let God help you overcome it. All sins judged. You know, a short time after the ascension of Christ into heaven, Peter's given this sermon. And he's telling the people there in Jerusalem You've sinned. And you need to change your ways. You need to get right with God. You rejected Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. And when the people heard that sermon, you know what they did? They asked Peter, what, what do we have to do? What do we have to do to be right with God? And here's what Peter said in Acts 2.38. All of you must turn away from your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then all your sins will be what? Forget What does he say? You've got to change your life. <clears throat> You've got to change the way you live. You've got to accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. You need to be baptized into his name and when your sins will be forgiven. That's what some of you need to do this morning. You need to repent, turn around, give this to God, have your sins washed away in baptism, and walk with him under the trust and the faithfulness of God. Paul, uh, Peter continues in this. He says, by, after you've done this, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean to have the gift of the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit teaches you truth. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to overcome any temptation. Any temptation. All right, we got to talk about 1 Corinthians 10, 13 if we're going to talk about temptation. And here's where we're going to land for the rest of this lesson. Uh, this, is, this is, I think, a verse that you need to know. And a verse that you should just write down if you've never seen it before because it's one of the greatest book studies about temptation. It's such an important one. In fact, I've given many sermons just on this one verse alone. I'm not going to give you another long sermon today on it, all right? Just an overview to tie in the points I made today and kind of tie up some loose ends that have been out there as well in this lesson. But such wonderful thoughts about, all right, what do I do with temptation? What is temptation? And here it is, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The only temptation that you have are the same temptations that all people have, right? Same temptations that all people have. They're the same. They're the similar or similar. Methods may differ, but they're the same or similar. The devil's experience, folks. He knows how it works. I don't want to burst your pride bubble here. Okay, But the devil's not fretting or trying to invent some new way of tempting you to sin. You're not extraordinary. You're not any different from anybody else. You face the same temptations that everyone has. And after thousands of years of dealing with human beings, the devil's become an expert in this. He knows your profile. He knows who you are. Have you ever wondered when you studied human history, and people talk about this, that history tends tends to look like it's a cycle? Ever notice that? Why do we keep repeating the same mistakes? Why do empires fall for the same reasons? Why do nations dissolve for the same reasons? Why do we keep fighting wars over the same old things? Why do we keep treating people the way we treat them? Why are we so cruel to each other? Why does that happen in history? There's a common denominator in history. It's called human beings. And we all have the same nature. There's nothing different about your nature than the people of the first civilization. Nothing different whatsoever. And the devil still tempts us in the same way he has every other generation. You're not special. You're not extraordinary. You're not that hard for the devil. You need to understand that. And until you understand that, You will never conquer the temptation in your life. It's so important for us to know. Uh, Again, if the devil tempted Jesus, do you think he's going to leave you alone? You're not that perplexing to him. Have I made you feel low enough right now? It's important, though, you get this. It's so important because we think we're special. We think we're different. We think that we're not like everybody else and you're exactly like everybody else, and the devil knows it. You just don't, and that's why you fall. So here he continues, but trust God. He will not let you be tempted more than you can bear. Wow, there it is. God is faithful. As a Christian, I can trust in God, and not only that, He knows my limitations. He knows my limitation. He knows what I can bear in terms of being tempted before I'm sent. That's amazing to me. My limitation. The devil just sees you as another person among the billions that have been on this planet. And he'll throw out the hook and line and he'll lure you in. He he doesn't care about you one bit. But God, God knows you, doesn't he? God, God knows you. He sees you. Notice, he will not let you be tempted beyond more than you can endure. He knows you. He loves you. He cares for you. That's not a cliche. That is the truth. He knows you so well that He realizes what temptations you can handle and which ones He needs to take away from you that you cannot handle. And therefore, by the holy power of the Holy Spirit, He protects you from certain temptations that would absolutely destroy you. I've heard people say this before about other people. You know... I've never been tempted by that. That's never tempted me. Don't say that with pride. Thank God for His grace. The reason why it's not tempting you is because God has protected you from it because that very thing would destroy you. You can't handle it. That's why I take this verse. God has great insight into my human nature, the the insight that I don't have about myself. And the Holy Spirit in me God says, I love, this is a child of mine, this is a child of mine, I know his limitations, and here's what you can put before him, and those others, he's going to go all through, I say, ah, nothing to me, doesn't bother me, he needs to see it as grace, and not pride, you understand that? I see some of you, saying, say, no, that's not true, that's not true, okay, well, is the reverse true then? Does that mean that every temptation comes in my life that I'm supposed to be able to handle? Well, here's what God says. It's what Paul says, right? He will not let you what? Be tempted more than you what? Can bear. Which means when I face a temptation, temporary, persistent, or a pattern, God has said as a Christian that's in your life and you should be experiencing victory and not defeat. If you're experiencing defeat, let's get this thing turned around. That's what he's saying there, right? He wants us to understand that. So how do I know that? Because when you're tempted, notice the next verse. God will also give you a way to do what? To escape that temptation. Then you will be able to what? To endure it. See, now here's the answer to every temptation. Here it is. Write it down. Three words. Run. 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 Find the escape route. You're not supposed to use your own self-will or self-determination and pull yourself up by your bootstrings, although, <laughs> bootstraps, although bootstraps, all that might help a little bit. God says, no, what I want you to do in temptation is learn how to run. Find the escape route and get on there as quickly as possible. Escape routes are important. We're told over and over again to develop escape routes in our life, Right? You go to a movie, you watch a movie just before the movie starts, we want you to familiarize yourself with the exits on your left and on your right and in the back and in case of emergency you know how to get out of this place without trampling everybody, right? On a plane, Southwest Airlines fly flight a lot. Just before it takes off, what happens? The flight attendant gets in the center of the aisle and there's two of them, one in the front one towards the center and they go through all these escape routes in case of an accident, you know, in case you hit the water. In case you blow up in the sky, whatever. These things you're supposed to do, right? I know. And like me, you're probably oblivious to it, and I was, seeing if you're even listening, that's why I threw that in. <laughs> and so we, just, we don't listen, but there's an escape route. There's a plan of action, right? In South Carolina, during this hurricane season, we're always reminded to have, what? An evacuation plan, evacuation plan, and we're told with our families, the most important thing we can do is to practice with our family escape routes in case we need to get out of the house, right? Escape routes are very important. You need to prepare those ahead of time. And it's ideal that you have them prepared ahead of time before you get in the situation, right? So you know what to do. When you're facing temptation, Paul says, look, God has provided an escape route. Quit looking at the temptation, focus on not God, and get out. Run, run, run away. That's what it says. And here's the promise you'll have victory. You will be able to endure it. So you say, okay, well, what is that escape plan? What does that escape route look like? Are, are you ready? Here it is. How does it look? How can I say no to temptation and turn that I can't into an I can? Well, it's all about God. Here's how I break that miserable pattern of good intentions, falling again for the same old temptation, and repeating them. Here's what I do. First of all, Scripture. Know what the Word of God says about the temptation you're experiencing. Read your daily Bible readings. Do that every day. But if you're dealing with a particular temptation and you know what that weakness is, Google it. What does the Bible say about this temptation? Read it. Study it. Memorize it. Don't assume that you know. So when the temptation comes again, like Jesus, the Scripture says, and you quote it, verse and chapter and book to the devil. Devil, here's what the Bible says in Matthew whatever, 10, 15. And here's what it says. Get away from me. When you quote Scripture, the mind of Christ the devil's leaving. That's how you resist the devil. Read it, verbalize it, do it. Escape route. Second escape route, prayer. I'm very specific. God's not embarrassed by your temptation. Oh, I can't say that to God. I can't tell him what my fantasies are. I can't tell him what it, really? He knows everything about you. I mean, he knows how many hairs or lack of hairs you have in your head, right? He knows what's in your heart. Pray specifically, Lord, This is my temptation of fill in the blank right now. Be very specific. Lord, I want you to conquer this evil with your good. Give me the strength that I need so I can experience victory because I know you're faithful to me. Word of God. Prayer. Third escape route. Change your environment. When the temptation hits and you're sitting down, get up and walk around. If the temptation hits when you're on the inside of your house, go on the outside of your house. Change your environment. If you're on the computer, get off the computer. If the temptation hits while you're watching TV, turn the channel or blow up the TV, right? <laughs> Whatever you got to do. Change your environment, all right? If you're upset about something, you're about to say something that you don't want to say, Shut your mouth and walk away. (laughs) Think about it before you say it, right? If it's another person or persons that causes this, change your environment. Excuse yourself and run, run, run. Get away. If you're bored, if you're lonely, if you're restless, get up and do something else. Change your environment. Change your environment. I'm telling you, by changing your environment changing that environment you found the escape route found the escape route don't give the devil a foot up here's another one we'll close here call someone about it. call somebody you're being tempted go call your mom don't tell your mom what you're tempted with right? <laughs> call your dad you don't tell him that either right but maybe you will just call him up how's it going mom how's it going dad how's your day what you been doing this week call your brother call your sister call your friend call your children Talk to your grandchildren. See that? Call someone. Talk about something else. Get it off your mind. Make a business call. Make a business call. Call someone. Just by talking to someone about something else breaks the chain and the lure of the temptation. But maybe you need more help. Please call a Christian friend. And not some guy you hang out with that knows nothing about the Bible. Call a Christian friend that you can trust and let them know what you're struggling with and that you need their, need their help. There's escape routes all along. Be prepared. Who are you going to call, right? Not the Ghostbusters. <laughs> See, who are you going to call? What's my environment? What time does it happen? Where I change my location? I need to change the people I hang out. And I want to treasure God's word more than I value the benefit of this desire. I want to treasure God's way. And that's what God says here. When you think about temptation, God says, I want to think about you to think about the victory and the strength that you can have because I'm faithful to you. Amen? Let's stand. Let's stand. Well, I hope this lesson's been practical and helpful to you today. I hope there's been some things we've learned from it that will help you in your, as you think about temptation, that will help you uh, become stronger in that. And become more determined to focus on God rather than the temptation. I pray that will embolden you and encourage you in your walk this week. And you're leaving here today energized. You know, I'm going to let victory be here. I'm going to let God's goodness conquer the evil in my life. I want to be used for good and not for evil. As we start this new week together, I would like to offer this prayer of victory based upon 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. Lord, we give thanks to you because you give us victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to be baptized, place membership, like Larry, one of our elders, to pray with you, you can make your way to the front bench or meet with us after services today. But make that decision right now as we begin to sing.